0: You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York.
1: In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house. Father's house
2: She wisely asked David to consider the outcome of his present course and how bad it would be if he had followed through. She asked him to let the Lord settle the matter instead of taking vengeance into his own hands. Again, the idea here is Not to place a black mark on his testimony to ruin his testimony. You know, I would suggest that all of us do likewise.
0: Many of us have fallen victim to acting out of the heat of the moment, whether we care to admit it or not. In most cases, we have loved ones around us who can speak wisdom and help us get our heads level before doing something we seriously regret. In today's message, Pastor Mike reflects on Abigail's plea with David, who was seeking to take vengeance into his own hands. In his study, you'll be reminded that vengeance is the Lord's, and we have no place in executing severe judgments towards others. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 25, as he continues his message, The Power of Influence.
2: Now when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey. She fell on her face before David and bowed down to the ground. So she's prostrating herself before uh, David. And so she fell at his feet and said, On me, my Lord, on me let this iniquity be. So notice she's taking Nabal's guilt upon herself. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear of the words of your maidservant. So with great modesty and sincerity she addresses David. What did she say? Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel. In other words, the idea here is that he's not worth your time, David. Nabal, for as his name is remember, what was the the literal translation of the word NABAL? Is what? Fool. And so she's reminding him of that. He's a fool. For as his name is, so is he. He's a fool. Nabal is his name. And folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. In other words, she wasn't present when the ten men came to address a Nabal and seek compensation. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back. Notice again, God held David back. That is up until this time, right? He was still intent to kill Nabal and all of his household, but God is already working. God is already intervening from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand. Now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. And now this present, which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, all of what had been described in the previous verses, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Notice, not given to David, but his young men. You know, he didn't want, she didn't want to offend David, like she was buying him off or something. You know, that could have been misconstrued. So notice she says, not a gift for you, David, but for your men. Verse 29. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life, referring to Saul. The life, and this is, listen, let me tell you something. We're going to come back to this verse 29 before we close out this message. This is so significant, so important. You might want to highlight this in your Bible. Notice what she says here. She says, verse 29, yes. The life of my Lord referring to David, shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God and the lives of your enemy he shall sling out as far as from the pocket of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel. You see, she knew, Abigail knew that he was going to be the next king. Everyone throughout the realm knew this to be true, that this will be no grief to you. In other words, a tarnish on his reputation, his testimony, nor offense of heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. You know, this verse 31, this is perhaps the single best thing that Abigail had said to David. She wisely asked David to consider the outcome of his present course and how bad it would be if he had followed through. She asked him to let the Lord settle the matter instead of taking vengeance into his own hands. Again, the idea here is not to place a black mark on his testimony to ruin his testimony. You know, I would suggest that all of us do likewise. Remember, it said of Jesus, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. The Bible encourages us that we are to commit ourselves into the hands of him who judges righteously. Let God be our defense. Don't take matters into your own hands. The Bible tells us, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And we can just rest and trust in that. Listen, God always vindicates the innocent, right? He'll he'll, he'll just always be there uh, for you. You can be sure of that. We never, ever have to take matters into our own hands. And so anyway, like Jonathan, who on an earlier occasion turned his friend David's eyes away from his predicament and fixed them upon the Lord, Abigail strengthened David's hands in the sure mercies of the Lord. And so this disaster that seemed inevitable was averted, and David was kept from tarnishing his reputation by not responding with violence to the provocation of a fool. Okay, verses 32 through 35. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. Notice he acknowledges and understands that God is working through and speaking through this uh, woman. So kudos to the women. You know, I found, I got to tell you something. Women possess great wisdom. I so very much appreciate my wife. Hi, Diane. I know that you're watching the streaming service this morning. So kudos to you. You know, not only is she my wife, but she's also at times my counselor. Amazing the wisdom that women possess. The spirituality. I so appreciate the relationship that they have with the Lord. Their outlook and perspective on things that are going on in and through our life's experience. They're so valuable. And so notice David, you know, doesn't think to himself, this is a woman speaking to who will be the next king. No, with great humility, he responds here. Notice that. Verse 33, and blessed is your advice, and blessed are you. You know, I, I, I think that this is uh, goes really to the credit of David, that he is someone who is able to take the advice of other people. You know, i got to tell you something. Over the many years of being involved in ministry, I am so appreciative of those whom God has raised up, you know, to strengthen my arms, who have come alongside, pastors and assistant pastors and elders and deacons here in the body and other members of the church, who's been such a great encouragement to me, and at times have offered great counsel to me, offered their perspective on different things that I've never even considered. I've so very much appreciated those individuals that God has raised up to help me in the ministry over these many uh, years. So anyway. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed is your advice. And blessed are you because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. And then he goes on, For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, surely by morning like no males would have been left to Nabal. So David received from her hand what she had brought him, and she said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice, and I have respected your uh, person. And so he realizes his error, that is David. He sees God in all of this. He thanks Abigail, and then he sends her back home in peace. Now, when Abigail returned home, Nabal was there. And what is he doing? Remember now, this is a celebration, the time of harvesting. And so in verses 36 through 38, we find Nabal. Now, Abigail went to Nabal, and there he was holding a feast in his house, like the feast of the king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him for he was very drunk. Therefore she told him nothing, little or much, until morning light. He was probably partying with a bunch of migrant shearers who had this vile, uh, vulgar reputation. These migrant shearers would travel from one location uh, to another and be hired temporarily by the farmers for this particular occupation. And so they're partying, and Nabal is drunk. And so in verse 37, so it was in the morning, that is, Abigail waited for her husband to sober up, when the wine had gone from Nabal, and his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him. Realizing that this whole situation had been averted uh, by Abigail, the intent of David to kill him and every member of his household. And notice, and he became like a stone. In other words, he froze. But then notice in verse 38, now talking about God vindicating uh, David, <laughs> we read, then it happened about 10 days after that the Lord struck Nabal and he died. You know, think about it. You know, going back to that parable that Jesus spoke of the, the rich fool, you know, I'll build bigger barns and taking no thought of God or uh, God's bounty or taking any thought for eternity. Nabal should have been thinking about eternity rather than partying. You know, when he says, uh, you know, who is David? And he refers to all of what he possessed as his own. You know, whatever was in his hand was given to him by God. He should have been thankful to God. He should have honored God. He should have blessed God. He should have been thinking about eternity. He should have been thinking about sharing his wealth with other people. So that would have been the time to think about spiritual things. But he didn't. And thus, it happened about 10 days that the Lord struck Nabal and he died. Now, at Nabal's death, culturally, his estate, all that he owned, would go to his sons. That is, if he had sons. If he didn't have any sons, his estate would go to his brothers. If he had no brothers, it would go to the next of kin. But a woman was extremely dependent on her children for her support after her husband died. But here's the problem. Abigail didn't have any kids. And thus her future is bleak. Her only option is return to return to her family if there was any left, any members of her family, or become the wife of one of Nabal's brothers. So she's alone. She's facing an uncertain future. But here's the good news. Remember, she uh, acted wisely and honorably. And God provided security for a devout woman. Because notice in verses 39 through 42 we read, So when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. And David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as his wife. And when the servants of David had come to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her saying, David sent us to you to ask you to become his wife. Then she arose, bowed her face to the earth. You, you can only imagine what a relief this must have been for this woman. Can you imagine? Facing an unsure future and said, here is your maid servant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And so Abigail rose in haste and rode on a donkey, attended by five of her maidens, and she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. And so David and Abigail both recognized they were entering into a relationship that would last for the rest of their lives. So David took her as his wife, and Abigail accepted him as her husband. Gang, it was just as simple as this. You know, and again, you know, apply it to whatever's going on in your life right now. God has a resolution to all of your problems. And guess what? It's just as simple as this. And that'll be your testimony. When God delivers you, when God provides for you, when God does for you what you cannot do for yourself, your testimony will be, it was just as simple as this. Abigail now had the protection and security of David. She was happy to be the wife of someone she regarded as a servant of the Lord. Okay, let's close this out now. A couple of final remarks. Let's get into the postscript of chapter 25, verses 43 and 44. Now David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, and so both of them were his wives. But remember, Saul had given Michal, his daughter, David's wife, Topalti, the son of Leish, who was from Galem. Okay, so the conclusion of chapter 25 indicates that David was gaining in influence and importance. Even though he was still forced to live as an outlaw, the acquisition of wives points to his gradual rise, affluence, and status. So Saul may have sought to weaken David's claim to the throne by giving Michal, his first wife, in marriage to Palti, but Saul could not prevent David's rise to fame. Now, some of you may be thinking, what's going on here in the Old Testament with these multiplied wives kind of a thing? Okay? And, uh, and so you may be thinking as you go through the Old Testament, certainly, I mean, this is inappropriate. I mean, you know, was this allowed uh, by uh, God? Well, in the Old Testament, it wasn't directly referred to as sin because God hadn't commanded against it. But it did go against God's ideal. Remember in the beginning, the first man, first woman, Adam and Eve, for this reason, marriage, you shall leave your mother and father, cleave to your wife, and they shall both become one uh, flesh. Remember the instruction that God had given to Solomon, the warning, don't multiply horses as well as don't multiply wives. Why? Because they'll turn your heart from serving the true and the living God, which, exactly, which was the case with a Solomon. But I find it kind of interesting that the multiplication of horses and wives fall into the same category. I never <laughs> could understand that. Anyway, you know, don't let me start tripping on this. This whole thing about multiplying wives. I mean, it's all that we have to do as the husband of one wife to provide for their needs, right? To keep them happy. Could you imagine Solomon? What did he have? 400 wives? Was it 400 wives? I forget. Or was it 400 concubines? I forget which. But could you imagine? You know, forget it. Uh, Don't let me go there. But you see, his plan for marriage, God's initial plan for marriage was one man for one woman, one husband for one wife, one wife for one uh, husband. But you see, David never really followed God's plan and purpose for a marriage. And in this, David actually went against God's divine uh, deal. You gotta, but you've got to understand David. He was a man of passion. And, uh, you know, in one way, he took Abigail as as his wife, you know, to provide for her needs. Whether you want to call it pity or or whatever, right? And and this was the case back then, particularly among the, the kings. But I want you to think about this. Although he never really followed God's plan and purpose for marriage, David's family life was never a peaceful one. It was never a blessed One, right? His family life was always filled and riddled with trouble. Remember his son Absalom. When finally David arose to be the next king of Israel, he wanted to unseat him. And in time and time again, he had all kinds of problems going on within his family. So we should have got this straight in the first place. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that. I just threw that in. I won't charge you any extra for that (laughs) comment. Now... Let's once again go back to verse 29 and let me read it for you one more time. Remember now, Abigail addressing David said, the life of my Lord, David, referring to David, shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God and the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. So listen, what Abigail said of David is also true of us. In effect, she is suggesting that our soul is wrapped up in a bundle of life in the Lord your God. And the strength of that bundle lies in the identity of God with all that goes on inside. Folks, God is with you. And therefore, the life of a man after God's own heart, or a woman after God's own heart, is safe in God's keeping. And what can a vulgar, rude, unscrupulous, man like Nabal do to us? What can any circumstance do to us? Listen, all of those complicated situations that drive you to the point of distraction and despair, in your life's experience, God will deal with as a, as simply as throwing a stone out of a sling, as is indicated in verse 29. Listen, gang, you can trust Him right now in whatever situation you may find yourself so that you may just rest in Him and in His power. In my Father's
1: house there's a place for me In my Father's house Where I long to be
0: That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. If you've missed any part of this message, you'll find it online at harvestnyc.org. You can also subscribe to the In My Father's House with Mike Venezio podcast. Just search for it on your favorite podcast platform. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can connect with us. We want to hear from you. If you've been listening for months or even the first time today, let us know. Have you been blessed by a teaching here on In My Father's House? Have you been able to share what you've learned with someone else? We want to hear your story. It's such an encouragement and brings us great joy to know how this program is blessing our listeners. So please let us know you've been tuning in. You can send us a message right from our website. Just go to harvestnyc.org and click on contact. You'll find a form to fill out and we'll connect with you as soon as possible. You can also let us know you've been listening by sending an email to harvestnyc at verizon.net. Please feel free to share your prayer request, too. We'd be honored to join you in seeking God's direction in your life. Again, just email harvestnyc at verizon.net. If you're listening to our broadcast and aren't in the Manhattan area, we'd like to invite you to join our weekly worship services live on our website. We stream our gatherings on Thursday at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more and connect at harvestnyc.org. That's all for today. Join Pastor Mike next time for another edition of In My Father's House.